You're listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? My name is Matt Pollard, and you are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio, only here at lastwordonsports.com. It is Sunday, February 18th, 2024, and we are just three days away from the opening day of the MLS 2024 season and one week out from that opening week. So we're back. Uh, Apologies for the super long delay, the hiatus we had over the winter. A lot of us have other things going on in our lives that took priority, but we've got a really good show here tonight. Joined now by Rachel Krigger and Daniel Sperry, we are going to talk about MLS Jersey Week, MLS Jersey Weekend, all the jerseys that came out, we'll be discussing them. And we've got a cool new format for previewing the season that we think touches on pretty much everybody without doing what everyone else is doing, which is just going down team by team and taking three and a half hours in which to do that. But first of all, Daniel Sperry, welcome back. And uh, my condolences to you, my congratulations to your in-laws. Yes, uh, condolences on the Super Bowl, but it is great to be back on the show and have uh, a chance to talk soccer, man. Yeah, Super Bowl Super Bowl weekend was rough, but um, on camera you can see a little Wesley in the background who uh, apparently started crying because uh, the Chiefs won and the 49ers lost, even though she was wearing a Chiefs shirt. She was sad that the 49ers lost because she knew Dad would be sad, so uh, that, that kind of softened the night. But yes, uh, overall, happy to be back in soccer. It, I can't believe it's really around the corner from when we're recording. It's like less than a week away. It's nuts. I will let Dan go on mute to deal with whatever family thing he has going on, as it looks like a uh, little baby Wesley will be going to bed. But Rachel Krigger, Rachel, how are you? How was your off season? How pumped are we for the Sounders and the Hounds this season? Oh, off season has been nuts. I I just so so emotional. I just wrapped up my last. Year coaching basketball. Um, decided this was going to be my last year. Um, taking a little bit of a break. I've been doing it for the last ten years. Um, and yeah, I've been doing it since I was seventeen years old. Crazy. Um, but um, I'm looking forward to like having free time. That's going to be like insane. Um, <laughs> more time to watch MLS, I guess. Um, but yeah, off season was good. Ready to get back into it. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the new season. And like Dan said, it just kind of like snuck up. I can't believe it's can't believe it's here. It's exciting. So, folks, let's let's start off with the Jersey talk because we're all super interested in that and all of the kits are now out there. I'll start off with kind of for it's been a while since we've done, I think, a proper Jersey week or anything like that. So to talk about my view on the fashion, I'm a big proponent of I want to see it in person first before I judge it. And there's a few contexts in which I want to see it in order to evaluate the Jersey. One of it is up close and in person, and then I want to see it from a distance live and in person. So like at the top of the 100 section in most MLS stadia compared to the players wearing it on the field. And then I want to see it from the wide shot on camera. There are some jerseys that are good as far as the wide shot, all 11 players or all 10 outfield players in the view. There are some that are good from a distance if you're, say, 100 feet away watching it from the stands as well. And there are some that are fantastic up close. There are some that are good for multiple or only good for one of those as well and jerseys can win me over if they are slightly different if they're doing something a little bit more unique 
Meaning can vary. I, I don't like to see... I, I think MLS has done a really good job of decoupling from the Adidas templates that we've seen in the past, where a bunch of MLS teams basically have the same jersey, but then, you know, color-coded in their own team's colors, and then they try to come up with some branding or symbology or significance to it, even though every single team has the exact same shirt and they're all named the community kit. So I think MLS has done a very good job of separating from that. And I like the own little unique stuff that gets brought up. So I'm currently wearing the new one flag kit for the Colorado Rapids. The Adidas uh, three racing stripes as well have a little bit more cloth or volume. They're not scanned on super cheap. The jock tag's a little bit different. There's some fun other stuff as well associated with it. And I'll link to an article that I wrote about it in the show notes. But there's also a cool youth uh, initiative that's going on local to the community. That's something that the club has not always been good about. But that's my own principal view on how I review these jerseys. With that, Dan, I will throw it to you first. Dan, what do we think of the new Sporting and the new Quakes jersey? And then give me a few that you're looking at that are dripping, tripping, and then give me all the shirts that are training tops, including but not limited to Austin, Cincinnati, and Nashville. You know, so I, I'm okay with Austin's. It's all right. Um, I, first off, the, the Sporting KC Diamonds are forever kit. Um, I think is pretty sweet. Uh, honestly, if you, if you haven't seen the hype video, I wish that they would have posted, maybe posted it better. Um, but I know they're currently out of a social media manager, um, for the team. But, uh, so if any of you work in social, Sporting Casey's looking. Um, but the, uh, the, the preview video for it was awesome. Uh, cool unveil. Um, cool to hear them bring back some of the, the concepts that, um, I think a lot of people, uh, have felt were synonymous with this team. Um, which was at a synonymous with success for this team. Uh, you have an MLS Cup raised um, in a year where they uh, wore the Argyle top. You have a, um, a an Open Cup raised in the Argyle top um, in 2015. Uh, so, you know, I think um, the, the Argyle look is something that uh, is cool. Um, they've taken the diamond aspect of the Argyle and kind of minimized I say made it kind of minimalisty, um, and then they kind of made it repeating on the front end of, of it. So it's part of the it needs to be a repetitive pattern um, on the front of the kit uh, for it to be considered argyle. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's a good look. It's a great look for the secondary kit. Um, the last one had a lot of really cool detail in it that was all like text like texture detail to the kit with the eight one six, which is the area code for the Missouri side of Kansas City. Um, and 913, which is the area code for the Kansas side of Kansas City, um, you know, like repeated in it. And then it was like in the state line thing, which was their old state line look, the, the home top that they had in 2013 when the, when they raised MLS Cup. So, um, I, I, I love bringing back some of the different concepts and kind of renewing them and reusing them. This one is just way more noticeable, um, in this new kit and it looks sharp. I think it looks really good. Um, I like the, the the shorts and the look on it. Um, I like them keeping the dark indigo shorts too, because at times they've kind of gone back and forth with alternating what color shorts they wear with which top, um, and all of that. They can kind of, they've kind of been able to mismatch the light and dark shorts and stuff like that to make up a few different uni combos. So um, it will be interesting to see if there ends up being a third. There's a rumor that they're one of the teams with the third kit this year. Um, as someone who has no actual knowledge of whether or not there's a third kit, uh, you would think that uh, if you're putting a game at Arrowhead, 
um, of Return of the Wiz, uh, third kit, um, unveil before playing at Arrowhead against Messi would be just like absolute hype and sporting fans would probably shell out the money for that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they end up doing that or not. Uh, if those rumors come to fruition, um, the Quakes kit, I won't spend as much time on, but, uh, they've done this little like use of red in the past as a hearkening back to the old NASL Quakes. Um, I think that it's awesome and they've gone back and done the old NASL logo on this kit now. Um, they, it, within even some of their, their branding and their logos and stuff in the past, they've kept that red in there. Um, so it, it's a cool way to make a white kit worth buying. Um, because a lot of those are the whole, it's just a shirt or the, uh, you know, maybe even under the trip in kind of a thing. Is it a trading top or what? Um, doing, Having the old logo on it to me is what makes it uh, less of um, a quote training shirt uh, and keeps it away from being tripping because I'm not a fan of the plain white top. So um, briefly, just a few of the kits that I do love. Um, I absolutely obviously sporting and the Quakes kits. I love this year. I have very few that I don't like. Most of these kits this year are in the dripping category for me. Um, so, but a couple that like really really stood out to me. I love the Vancouver Whitecaps. 50th anniversary kit. It's a plain blue kit. That logo is fire. Um, what my, my suggestion for the naming of the segment also was fire. Was it fire, dire, fire or dire? I think is what it was or something like that. But anyways, I, I, uh, I, I think that kit is great. Um, I, the LA Galaxy kit is all right. Houston Dynamo, um, kind of in the, to me, in a training shirt, a purple kit, a perp, a perp kit as the, um, as the, uh, the inner city Houston folk might. Uh, relate to that one there. Um, FC Dallas for me, tripping. Do not like it. Um, they decided that the current design standard of gradients was not cool. So they wanted to go, um, with a really weird angled ombre and it looks terrible. It's not, do not like it. Not a fan. Um, retire that one as quick as you can, FC Dallas. Uh, and then the Columbus crew kit, I think is tripping in a way just because Literally, Lucy's going to trip Linus in that because it looks like the Charlie Brown shirt. Um, cracks me up. Sounders kit. It's tripping for me. I don't like, like literally tripping. Like I think the striping on it is a very, is much of a trip. I don't like the color of the shorts. Um, it's a little bit too much of a departure from the original Sounders colors that I like. And that powder blue, while part of their branding kit, um, is a very third tertiary color, and I don't love that um, being the first look I get of the Sounders in their new rebrand um, because I come to get that rave green and that more darker blue. So that, that, there's my those are my kit thoughts. Rachel, you can tell me why I'm wrong on any of these, but because um, the, the look on her face when I said I don't like the Seattle kit uh, was telling. But for me, um, it is what it is. Also, dripping, I do like the Rapids kit. Love it. And St. Louis is tripping for me too. They just drew a bunch of lines on a white kit to make it look cool. Rachel, defend the honor of Seattle Sounders, who last word SC will now be officially referring to as the Angry Orcas FC. <laughs> I love that. I agree with the powder blue shorts. I'm I'm not a fan of them. Um, it's the I'm, one thing that ruins the kit for me. That's it. Like, Everything. Yeah. I, I like the stripes. I think it's cool. I like the top. But like the powder blue shorts ruin it for me. But I feel like it would 
It's like in the middle of what? What was it? Drippin', trippin', and training top. Training top. It's like right in the middle between training top and like baby drippin'. Because I do like the stripes. Like one of my favorite all time kits is um and Matt, you can help me out here, but the galaxy kit from maybe like three years ago when it was the stripes going down and like the dark like army green and the blue and the black. Um, that's one yeah, of my... the old school, the the, the Salvadorian influenced one yes. from uh, from the nineties and everything. I can't remember what that one had a name to, but that the there are ways to go about meshing your current branding with something from the past, and for the most of those mishmashes, they're either absolutely fantastic or they're either cringe and weird so the columbus one that basically tried to like make the columbus city flag was absolutely horrendous dan's comments on the san jose and the vancouver retro rebrands for their secondary kits this year are well received for me i just i think it's really loud rachel and like that's what the there's too much going on on the shirt and then combine it with the shorts being different from what i'd expect from sounder shorts given it's a mostly green shirt there's just there's too much going on so the the two trippiest ones i have for this year are this one in new england i don't know how you get parallel lines of dots and somehow that leads to ripples from the Boston Tea Party, but that's the Rebs in, uh, we're talking about Seattle here, Rachel, so continue. Okay, so I, I'm a huge fan of, like, a green and black combo, and like, like Dan said, that dark blue. Um, I do like it because I like the stripes. Um, I also wish that the stripes were, like, thicker, like that Galaxy one, um, because I think they are a little too thin. Um, it's not my favorite kit. I am offended, dude, that you don't like the, the FC Dallas kit. I love a good, uh, I love a good ombre. I'm sorry. I, I'm weak. I'm weak, boys. Um, <laughs> I'm weak. Um, okay. So what else? I'm, I'm looking through really quickly because I remember, um, I have, I have a hot take, boys, about the RSL kit. It is ugly. It is hideous. Um, I remember, ugh, Back in my day, when the Utah Royals had their first go-around in the NWSL, they had one of the most gorgeous, like, navy blue kits with, like, just, like, almost, like, little traces of the mountains. I just feel like the mountain with the stripes is way too busy on the RSL kit. Um, I'm not a fan. Either pick one or, like, go away. Um, the way they did the the mountains on the, on the Utah kit were really good. Um, the Portland one looks like an advertisement for pot. I had to look at it um really closely and, and like figure out it was it was ferns. Um I know like Philadelphia is really like simple, but I I really do like it. Um and I am kinda of gonna go back on my word a little bit here. I I like the um I like the Red Bulls kit. It is a little bit busy, but I do like it. Um, I like the simplicity and like the cool kind of like it almost looks like 3D and like yeah like putting on 3D glasses and stuff for the New York City FC kit. Um, huh, Revolution ugly and soon. Um, as somebody who bought a Marta um, Odd Ostra jersey from the kit jersey whatever from the Orlando Pride, um, give me give me a night sky with some beautiful stars and I am hooked. So shout out to Minnesota United on that. Um, that's probably the kit that I'm going to be purchasing this year. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the Charlie Brown one sucks. I really did like the um, the Colorado one. That one's one of my drippings. 
And even though it all of I mean all of them are ridiculously priced, but even though Charlotte's is even like super ridiculously priced, I do like Charlotte's. Um yeah, I really like Charlotte's a lot. It just ugh, the prices are just bleh, gross. Um but those are my those are my takes on the kits. Um Austin is I I mean like I'm not thrilled by it. It's like cool, it's a different shade of green. Like I don't really know what to tell y'all. Um and I just I feel like the Atlanta one would be like what would happen if somebody gave me access to like an online illustrator um because i can't draw i'll give uh since you brought it up rachel we'll talk about the pricing as well uh major league soccer as far as i understand dan you might be the only person more in tune on this than me at least in the last word community but adidas sets these prices and that is reflective of the how much it takes for them to make stuff do stuff at scale and then also how much they are paying MLS for then the rights to make the jerseys because at the end of the day, all of these have the Adidas track stripes on here. There are no, there's no Nike swooshes. There's no Umbro. There's no other jersey types that you have in the MLS space. So Adidas is the one who sets the prices. The prices are ridiculous at this point. Um, the, they have gone up in the time that I've been covering the league. I think I remember. I want to say 2012, 2013, you could get one of the replica shirts like from the official uh, from one of the official suppliers for 60 bucks. And now the replica shirt is going up to one hundred dollars and the authentics are starting at one hundred and sixty. And while the bells and whistles of the here's the different details and the quality and types of material and the fabric and here's what we're doing with the badge and the jock tag and whatever thing you got going on on the inside or outside of the collar, all of the other accessories that you get with the shirt, those have become higher in quality, have become more detailed and specific to each club. They've had more control over customizing those and they become more numerous. And that's all fantastic. But most of those you don't have from the replica shirt. So while the prices have gone up for both the replica and the authentic, the difference in quality between the authentic and the replica, that gap has grown almost to the point where the knockoff shirt coat folks that I could get from one of these European sites where I wanted any Champions League club, any third jersey from the Premier League, and I could get it for 30 or $40. That is closer to what the replica version I'd be getting from that Premier League team relative to that. That is about on par in terms of the that that knockoff is closer to what the real thing is than what the replica MLS jersey is to the authentic jersey at this point and so i think this is just another reflection of where whether it's the league from a marketing standpoint or it's a sponsorship or something else going on that they've missed an opportunity i still have an issue with the price point for the mls season pass subscription on apple tv because i think it is gouging it's making a buck off of the sicko and then off of the hardcore mls fan and off of the person who's subscribing mostly from abroad to see Messi at the expense of making the game and the, and your product more accessible. MLS jerseys, MLS merch is functionally walking billboards. And so by making it more expensive, yes, you're getting more on a per jersey purchase from a hardcore Rapids fans, but it'd be a lot easier. You would have a lot more representation in the market if these were more affordable, given what you are competing against with the Nuggets, the Avalanche, and the Broncos. Dan, would you like to say something on the pricing? Just one minimal thing there. Uh, if you see some of the teams, so like Charlotte FC has theirs at like 175 starting for, um, 
sorry, excuse me. Charlotte has theirs at like 175 for a starting price for um, the uh, authentic kit. Um, you see clubs like Sportings has theirs starting at 150. Um, just know that the clubs that are in the lower end of that are, uh, from what I've heard, are footing the price of the Apple uh, patch that is on the kits. Um, there is a price that some of the clubs are rolling that into the actual price of the kit itself versus um, some clubs swallowing that cost. So clubs that are on the lower end of that, they've swallowed the cost of the advertising Apple patch that goes on some of those authentic kits. Um, clubs that are on the higher end have not. Um, so that's just one little thing to think about that maybe your club's going the extra mile to try and make it a little bit cheaper on you or not. And there are a few clubs that are doing deals as well for season ticket holders, Dan. I know the Rapids are doing that. If you were to pre-order your jersey before the first home game of the season, or if you were to purchase it on location at the season team, the team kickoff party, which is the Wednesday before the home opener, which I believe is February 28th, if I have my calendar math correctly. So there's some teams that are doing something that are working within the structure of MLS, the MLS store, and Adidas in order to work with that. Whether or not the cost that they are fronting or doing to make the jersey cheaper is already baked into your season ticket, I think it's a valid question worth exploring, but we don't have an answer to. So let's get to my actual jerseys here, folks. Um, I will start off with the ones that are functionally trending tops. Rachel, you already mentioned it. Toronto, it's a white kit. TFC, like you've done a couple good home kits that are basically just all red. This one is lame. Austin, same thing. Austin, Cincy, and Toronto FC are basically indistinguishable from me in terms of them being um, different. St. Louis has some fun lines on it, but I didn't care for their secondary kit to begin with. Their home kit is still boss, just to be clear. But for having a chance to iterate on it and getting the, you know, de facto, you're away, you're, you know, Every MLS team's first secondary kit as an expansion team is crap. Deal with that. You could have done something a little bit more fun, a little bit more different. Let's move on to the trip in. I already talked about New England. I already talked about Seattle briefly, that one. Dan, to your point about the difference between doing a retro kit that looks good, see Vancouver, see San Jose Earthquakes. Um, I have some sentimentality and like some nostalgia for the Orlando crest, but like the there's too much red, there's too much white. You want to do a throwback with the with the three-headed lion monstrosity thing. It's weird. It's ugly in the same way that the SKC Wiz was weird, in the same way that the Galaxy was weird. I am here for that nostalgia of something that is old and crappy that now has some retro chic to it as well. A little bit early in Orlando's case, and then poor execution in the context of the entire shirt. Nothing wrong with bringing back the new crest as the secondary one. Those three lines, that, that that crest is nightmare fuel for me, and I'm going to have nightmares about it when Rapids inevitably lose to Orlando later this year. Actually, they already lost to Orlando in their final preseason game. Oscar Pereja doing his usual stuff to poop house the Rapids. And then, Rachel, I'm going to disagree. So me and Dan have the have the Electoral College vote on this one. Uh, the FC Dallas one gives me a migraine. I don't understand the gradient. It is weird and everything. It looks like a glitch. Like It, it looks like you're printing the jersey from one side to the other as, like, the printer was running out of ink. It's weird. It's horrible. Um, If Andrew Weeby wants to send me a free one so that I can burn it in a ritualistic sacrifice live on the podcast, I'd be totally open for that. Let's get to the other ones that I think are tripping. I am a sucker for anything that is remotely nature-related or calls to the local ecology, the local geologic environment of a club. So I love the Portland one, regardless of whatever jokes are going to be made about the 
uh, pot parallels with that. The leaves, absolutely fantastic. Super Portland, absolutely here for it. The Minnesota one. Now, Minnesota's got a nice complement between the home kit and the secondary kit from last year of like a Northern Lights theme. That's going to be kind of cool to like have like those two right next to each other in some of their marketing stuff. Super on brand for what they are. Absolutely fantastic. Hit it out of the park. And the Charlotte one with the gradients of like the not purple Mountain Majesty, but like the Carolina Blue Majesty gradient and everything. I really, really like that one as well. I'm super glad, even though it is subtle, I'm glad that the LA Galaxy are returning to the sash and the fact that the shirt is mostly white and then has it as a subtle front, given that normally the sash was, whoa, here's a sash on a white background and everything. I'm fine with, it's not my favorite one that they've had, but the simple fact that it's not a plain white shirt and returning to the look that you would think about when you think about what they achieved, you know, a decade ago now when the dynasty ended, you think about the sash. So I'm here for that. Um, and then neither of those are, I, I'm just making a commentary on that one. I'm not putting, I think the galaxy's mid in terms of it's not dripping, tripping or a training shot, sh- training shirt. And to your point, Dan, um, while it is really kind of, well, it is dorky. I am here for shirts that are mid or kind of basic or even ugly if there's a chance for memes and lols. And so all of the Charlie Brown comparisons in the same way that, that horrible secondary kit you had for Columbus that was an absolute monstrosity. The only thing that remotely redeemed that was getting to make all the Caillou jokes. I think it's a solid yellow shirt. It's got the black in the middle. As the closest thing we have to an architecture engineer we have on here, as someone who likes the building and the infrastructure and the structural design of buildings, it kind of looks like some of the trusses in the roof and everything, so it works for them. It's kind of basic. It's not my favorite Columbus Crew shirt. It's not the worst yellow highlighter jersey that they've had as well. And for the chance to make some Charlie Brown Brown memes, good and bad, I've already seen one of the Crew fan accounts have like the typical Charlie Brown cartoon. And then he's got like the red beam eyes of like, you just lost to Charlie Brown. Columbus fans are going to have a field day for that when uh, Hell is Real comes up and everything. So I'm here for all of those shirts. Last thought that I have, Rachel, to your point about the RSL one. I'd just like to point out the irony of a club that stole their name from Real Madrid basically wearing a wannabe Barcelona jersey to say nothing of the fact that the outline of the mountains they have on the top of the Barcelona horizontal vertical stripes, excuse me, is literally the outline of the top of the Colorado Rapids crest. And so the fact that RSL couples that in with one of their marketing guys putting, you know, some fluff of saying this isn't Denver, we're not two hours from the mountains. I would encourage him to check out some of the uh, to go onto Google Maps and see what it's like trying to get to Denver when it is not peak ski season and you don't leave after 730 in the morning from the front range as well. So I don't have anything in principle with the shirt. I think it's a nice idea. I think combining the name and the colors of RSL with who their rival is is extremely ironic. If the Rapids came out here and it was really simple, everything was either monotone burgundy or monotone blue, absolutely would hit it out of the park. But I lied, Dan. I'll I'll, let, I'll get to you in a second. But the last thing that I'll say on the Rapids, uh, one flag kit, really nice initiative that they have to bring uh, to try and help out youth sports, particularly in the local Commerce City and Northfield areas. That's something that the club's been a little bit delinquent on for me. And for those who've seen the photos and think it's a little bit basic, I will say in person, the contrast between the two shades of burgundy for the checkerboard wave pattern is better than it is on photos and so in that regard the photo shoot the lighting was just a little dark that did not do its justice wait till you see it you know in the bright sun of a 
uh, of you know the start of kickoff for the season opener or see it physically in person when the Rapids play at your MLS team. Dan, I will give you the last two words on the jerseys and then we'll move on to the season preview. The last two things I had. One, absolutely love the Philadelphia Union kit. Two, um, I, I, I don't know if any of us talked about it, so I felt like we should give it a bit of a shout out. Well done. I like the one use of the centered crest that I actually really like. I think it fits perfectly well with the rest of the kit. Um, job well done in doing all of that. The last one, Chicago Fire. You have a return to red kit. I love it. It gives me old school fire vibes. Just a reminder, you never had to depart from it. You just needed to listen to everybody else uh, instead of going crazy with your weird uh, Brighton Mountain Demon looking crest and the blue and the red and all that crap. Thank you for returning to red. Never depart from it. What you're saying is, Dan, we should have listened to our fan base instead of trying to do a move that was going to upset them, but temporarily sell a little bit of merch. Hmm. Interesting business in there, Daniel. Okay, uh, listeners, so we've got a new and fun format that we really like for the MLS season preview. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Athletic Greens. We would like to thank our sponsor, Athletic Greens, for sponsoring Last Word on Sports and Last Word Soccer Club Radio. They have a signature AG1 formula that is perfect for daily nutrition and supports your gut health. AG1 solves two of the most important health needs that you have building nutrition that your body needs on a day-to-day basis, and also building a foundation for long-term gut gut and nutrition help. Together, this helps fuel your whole body and can impact everything from your sleep to digestion, energy, mood, immunity, to the health of your hair, skin, and nails. Follow the link in the show description and get started with AG1 today. Thank you to Athletic Greens for sponsoring this podcast. So the format that we have for our season preview, folks, rather than going down individually, team by team, or coming with an order in which to do that, each of us is going to pick a team that fits into various categories. We'll be dividing it amongst Eastern Conference and Western Conference. We will be looking at teams that were down last year that missed the playoffs that we think will bounce back and make the playoffs. We will be looking at teams that made the playoffs last year that will now fall out of the playoff picture. We'll be looking at teams that are bad or mid and will still be bad and or mid. And then we'll be predicting trophy contenders as well. Separately, when we get to the round table, we'll be doing proper pickums for all of the various trophies. We're just going to pick a team that we feel pretty confident is going to compete on two fronts, is going to get close to, if not, win a trophy. But with that, Rachel, we will start in the Eastern Eastern Conference. Rachel, give me a team that was out of the playoffs last year that you think will make a triumphant return to the MLS postseason. So not only is this a triumphant return for CF Montreal to the MLS Cup playoffs, but I think it's going to be a triumphant return for one and only, who used to be the apple of the eye of MLS, Joseph Martinez. Um, kind of took a backseat um, when just some no-name that, Lionel Messi decided to show up and sign in Miami. Um, everybody forgot about Joseph Martinez. Um, I think I, I think I read somewhere today actually he hasn't put together. I want to say it was two thousand, but that also seems like a, no two thousand minutes. Um, for like any club since two thousand nineteen. Um, obviously he's had a few injuries. Um, that he's been dealing with. Um, Semming, of course, beginning with that ACL injury. 
um, when he was with Atlanta, but I think he's going to come back, and I think he's going to really, this is going to be such a bad pun, but make an impact with the family Montreal impact. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> he is going to make an impact with CF Montreal, I think. Um, I also really like, and I'm probably going to mess up the, the name, but Ari Lassitier, um, I think his name is, he is a Costa Rican international. You guys know me. I love my Costa Rican internationals. Um, and shockingly, he also came from another previous club. Guess who? Inter-Miami. Um, so I'm excited to see how, how those two, um, kind of gel together up top. Um, they, they have a new manager. Um, they do have a new manager. Um, and that is Laurent um, taking over for um, the guy with the glasses, Ernan Rosada. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's just a new new wind in in Montreal, and I'm looking forward to seeing um, seeing what I, I keep wanting to call them the Montreal Impact. I don't know why, um, but CF Montreal. I'm really excited to see um, what they do this season. They've got some young talent on their roster. Like looking at their midfield, like it is just jam-packed with a bunch of youngsters. Um, and I say youngsters because I don't know them, but it's up for two of them. So I, I'm excited to see what so, see what Montreal is able to do this season. Rachel, the new head coach for Montreal, who used to play in Montreal, is Lorraine Courtois. And if you're going to be standing a Ticos player on Montreal as well, Ari Lassiter is how his name is pronounced. Rachel is not an expert on this yeah. kind of stuff. This is something that I obsess over. We do not shame her for it. Dan, give me your Eastern Conference team that's getting back to the playoffs and is promptly going to lose in the first round. Uh, back to red, back to the playoffs, right? Or return to red, return to the playoffs. I think the Chicago Fire have made a lot of really good moves. Um, Shadon Shakiri is still a decent player. Um, he kind of, he seems like, like he's the kind of guy who's very hot and cold off and on. Some guy, sometimes he's brilliant, sometimes he's not, but I think, um, they finally surrounded him uh, with a lot of other good talent that can kind of carry the load a bit. Um, Kellen Acosta isn't necessarily a game changer, um, but he's a really solid player that can provide a foundation for Shakiri to um, kind of blossom in. Uh, so can um, you know? I think that this, this is a good sign in the in the midfield. Um, I thought their backline actually their defense, the defenders themselves, I don't think are bad players. Um, I think they've had a lot of issues, defensive issues in front of them. I think a player like Kellen Acosta in a double pivot, um, along with uh, Gaston Jimenez um, as their as their defensive mid, I think that that ends up pretty well. You add the DP signing of um, Kuipers, and I think that uh, that's another fantastic move. Health holding on for this team. You also, uh, I'm sorry, I, w- I want I do want to come back because, uh, um, gosh, who's the the guy that used to play in Orlando that now signed with them? After he went to Scotland, his name is escaping. Cash me. Mueller. Yes, Chris Mueller, Cash Money Mueller. Um, I, you I think name your fantasy football team after him. Maybe. Weren't yes, you, you did, Mueller's Dan. Song? It was Cash Mueller's <laughs> song, and we complained when the MLS fantasy system didn't allow you to have symbols in the name because I wanted you to change the S's to, S's the, dollar to, signs to the dollar well. I remember this now. Chicago Goodness. native Cash Mueller. Yes. Um. Yeah, I uh, I really really love uh, that him as as an option in the mix there. Um, he's kind of a gritty player that I think will uh, help push this team on to some better performances and uh, can get in there and can finish. So overall, I dig what Chicago's done. Um, I I think it's a pretty they're 
to me, they seem like an easy pick to make it back to the postseason. I didn't think I, out of the teams that missed the postseason last year, save like into Miami, box them up and put them in the corner because Lionel Messi is, of course, an absolute game changer. But um, out of the teams that missed the playoffs last season in the East, I thought Chicago were the ones that looked closest to being a playoff team, and I just like the additions that they've made on top of it. Dan, I'll pull in Andrew Weeby and just throw it back to you for one more question. Uh, this is fine meme. I feel like is Frank Klopas somehow still having a job at this club. Talk to me about how that's not going to be like single-handedly derail the club's rebuild. It shouldn't, though, because I feel like at, at, for the most part, they've had mid-success with Klopas. Are they are they a top tier top tier contending playoff team? No, but I Klopas has been the most competent manager that they've had um, in the past. I don't know three four years really. Um, Velko was really good. Had zero roster. Um, he he was good with Shivas. Um, good over in reading. Also a, a guy though that like is burned out of the club by like two years um, down the road. So you have. But the Chicago thing is, it's just really interesting the way that they've gone about their coaching stuff over the past few years. Um, Ezra, wonderful person, just didn't have it cut out. It didn't seem like a, in in that situation. And it's a terrible roster last year for a large part. And Klopas came in and elevated them and had them kind of at least somewhat swinging around in the mix for until the, the last couple of weeks there. So um, I think this fire team should be um, fine with Klopas in charge and maybe for once a bit of continuity will do them some good. Very nuanced takes on both Montreal and Chicago, but I'm gonna pick this I'm gonna pick the layup here, folks, and that is Inter Miami making the playoffs this year. Full season of Messi. They've got Suarez, they've got friends, they've made a bunch of moves. They've got a bunch of players they need to sell between now and Friday in order to be roster compliant if we're believing the reporting from Tommy Wednesday. Wednesday because of the because the RSL game, that's the, the that's the first league game. They have to be compliant by by the by Tuesday. Oh crap! Well, so if the Colorado Rapids were able to get uh, Gregory for two hundred fifty k and a fourth round draft pick between now and Wednesday, that would be absolutely fantastic for Port Smith to make happen. But so uh, you know that notwithstanding, I still think this is a you know first eleven that is absolutely cooking. If Messi's able to stay healthy and they're able to manage his minutes and also manage results out like they did towards the end of last year, they did that almost making the playoffs. They did that making the Open Cup final. Then Messi wasn't available for the Open Cup final. And as Dan is fact checking me, that Gregory is already to Brazil, so good for him. So I guess it's not Gregory who's available, maybe. Um, but so uh, in any case, my. Messi and Miami should be absolutely fantastic this year. They should absolutely make the playoffs. And the only thing that's going to stop is going to be a bunch of mid and late 30-year-olds getting a bunch of typical injuries that mid and late 30-year-olds will get. That being said, this is still a old core that is way better than anything the Portland Timbers have had over the last seven, eight years. And normally it's the Timbers dealing with all of those soft tissue histories in their early to mid 30s. So Inter-Miami absolutely gets back to the playoffs me uh with that we move on to the western conference rachel give me rachel stole the colorado rapids from me rachel uh in order to have some uh in order to have some non-bias here speak as the non-colorado resident how the rapids will return from 14th place to at least ninth place with chris armis of all people as head coach well matt i want you to get to know um one of our pet panthers 
No, I'm kidding. Um, Jasper Lofsen? Is that what I'm saying? Help me out here. Jasper Lofsen. Lofsen. Yes. And I cover the pit women's team, not the men's team. If, if you um, just call him, he he's not offended if you refer to him by his first name. So if Jasper is way easier, just call him Jasper. Love that for us. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him play a couple times. Um, with Pitt. he's a really good player. Um, but yeah, I man, I love the moves that Chicago has made. Obviously, um, Zach Steffen is the big head turner there, coming from um Manchester City. He's going to get some playing time. Um, I. I Georgie Mihalovic, though, is the one that really excites me. He's been kind of back and forth between the league in Europe, the league in Europe, the league in Europe. Um, and I, I just think that this, this is kind of his, his chance to really break out. Um, he's been just kind of, I feel like he's always been one of those under the radar guys. He gets called into national team camps every once in a while, but I think that with, with Colorado, he can really, you know, step out and, and make a name for himself and, and be that guy. That you know, players or yeah, players are going to going to want to really put themselves in the line for. Coaches are going to want to build around. GMs are going to want to build around. Um, I, I like the signing of Omir Fernandez from uh, Red Bull New York, young guy um, on a free transfer. Um, Miguel Navarro was also a really good pickup in a trade. Twenty four years old. Um, all of these new signings or, or trades or whatnot. Pretty sure that they've all been under the age of thirty, which is awesome for the Rapids. Um, I could see them making the playoffs, but even if they don't, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So I, I think you're going to get a lot of progress from the Rapids this year. Um, and there really hasn't been a lot of players um, going out, um, more in than out. And I think that only helps the Rapids. And, and I'm just really excited to see them because I've always, always just rooted. I don't know why. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Colorado and I've just been crushed these last few years. Just watching them not perform as well as they possibly could. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see see how Colorado does. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You heard it from a Sounders girly, not me here, listeners. Um, Daniel Sperry, uh, let's stand Diego Rubio for a minute. Yeah, uh, um, I, I think his acquisition is going to be what helped leads Austin back to the playoffs. Um, I think... You know, when Diego Rubio, Diego Rubio is one of the better things going for all of Colorado Rapids over the last couple of years. Um, on the field, he was really uh, efficient at scoring in, in Kansas City, uh, made the move to Colorado, and I think is a good player. Um, I think he fits the way Austin plays too. Austin are kind of feisty, kind of spicy, but they got a little bit of flair in them. And, um, if you have a guy, if you are asking Diego Rubio to just be the striker, and be a nuisance in the box and pop up in the right spots and get in behind and get off the back shoulder of a player and finish those shots. Um, you've got a guy in Sebastian Driussi who's going to play those balls to you all the time. Um, I still have a lot of concerns about their back line and their midfield. I think Austin are going to end up in the playoffs. If they do, I think it'll be a sub top five, top four finish. Um, like I, I don't expect them to be in the top half of the table or like pushing um, for a home game necessarily or a home field advantage in the first round. However, I think this is a team that, um, you know, there's enough firepower in what they've got between Drewsi and now Rubio, um, that I think they could do a little bit. And I think last year too with Austin, you know, they bring Zardes in, did not work. You had back line that was very wishy washy. Um, Austin FC two, Austin two also has a lot of really good young players that they're starting to bring through. 
as well that should start to get some minutes uh, with the first team. They won MLS Next Pro last year. Um, so I think there's a lot of good things going for this team. Um, there's finally a new sporting director. Remember, of course, at the end of la- beginning of last year, right? You have everything going on with Claudio. Claudio is completely out of the picture. Um, they've got nobody running the ship for a while. Um, nobody kind of doing the, the signings. Nobody doing that, right? There's GM, sure. There's a manager, sure. But those duties, those sporting director duties were just collapsed completely unfilled and had no, you know, there's a question of where's the vision? Where's the project? Where's it going? And so when you finally fill that in, and you make some counter, some smart moves to build your roster back up. Um, adding Diego Rubio to be your striker, I think, is a good good thing. And you've got still have Giassi under contract. You can put him in off the bench. Um, you can start him if you need to. Diego's a kind of a guy too that can kind of work in a four four two as well. Um, if you have a guy like Giassi that he would be playing off of, if Giassi's going to play the hold up play, um, so I I think there's a lot of possibly good things that Austin have going for them. And I, you know, I'm looking at all the teams that technically missed the playoffs. Um, I think they're the ones uh, that actually got better um, in this offseason. So for me, they're, they're a pick to get back in. And I think they weren't as bad as they were last year. They, they weren't that bad of a team. On the Google Doc where we had this, I was totally going to pick the Colorado Rapids so I could talk about their rebuild this year. And then Rachel got into the doc first and selected it. So I'm not, that is the context upon which folks I'm about to argue that the LA Galaxy will be returning to the playoffs. And I'm not super confident in this one. I love the selection of Gabrielle Peck. As long as Ricky Pooch is in this midfield, that midfield should be able to cook as well. I have concerns about what's going on defensively, however. I like the acquisition of Yoshida. I like the other Japanese fullbacks that they've gotten as well. Jalen Neal is a really good young player. Um, John McCarthy coming over from LAFC after he had that fantastic penalty shootout in MLS Cup and then did very little after that for LAFC. Does Will Koontz coming over from the LAFC front office to the LA Galaxy front office? Does he know something that we all don't know? And so where I have concerns or where I'm curious about this offseason and this rebuild was how Will Koontz rebuilds on the fly with a roster that was existing as a bunch of Greg Vanny signings and then is now bringing in Will Koontz signings. Historically, when there's a massive house cleaning due to some rot at the organizational level, and then a new technical director or GM comes in, that head coach is usually aligned with the previous regime or has his own separate view about things. So if I had to pick my top five head coaches to start the year who are on the hot seat, Greg Vanny is certainly on there. I don't think that he's number one overall in terms of being on the hot seat. But, you know, they brought in a bunch of young guys. They have moved away from the, we're bringing in a bunch of names who have, who are going to sell shirts, but then are maybe a little overpriced in terms of what they're bringing on the field, but we're the galaxy and we have things go in our favor and we know more than other people do. And we'll find a way to get that done. That is gone. That ended with Bruce arena a decade ago now. And so if this does go well, I think either Greg Vanny and Will Koontz are completely aligned and all of their new young signings hit, which I could totally see happening. I do think it will take some time for them to gel. But if it doesn't happen, I could almost back my way into them making the playoffs if they start out so terribly because Greg Vanny doesn't fit in with the existing roster. And then Will Koontz signs in one of those guys. I don't think this would be the first place that they would go, but I would I, I would be shocked if Greg Vanny gets fired in the first third of the season and Robin Frazier is still out there living in South Denver waiting for 
his daughter to start to enroll at UCLA come the fall, and he doesn't get position for this. So I would almost say, if I had to predict which is, I think, the most likely path for the LA Galaxy to make the playoffs, I think it's starting off so poorly just because of all the new changes, Greg Vanny getting fired, Will Koontz bringing in a coach that's absolutely aligned with his vision, and they make a few more moves in the in the summer, and then turn it on in the final third of the season to then finish as high as seventh, I would say. So that's how I'm feeling about the LA Galaxy. I'm not confident on it, but this is MLS and it's chaos, and Typically, the Galaxy get what they want when MLS gives the opportunity for that to happen. Let's move back to the Eastern Conference. Uh, Rachel, we're moving on to teams that made the playoffs last year that will follow the playoff spot. And you've got some hot takes coming, really. Um, I'm going with Atlanta here. I think, hear me out, folks. I think there's going to be some struggles here with the defense in particular. Obviously, losing Miles Robinson is a big loss for anybody who would have Miles Robinson on their team. I am still just not convinced with the goalkeeper situation. Not really any huge standouts for me on the defensive side. Um, I think the attack in the midfield, I think it speaks for itself. I mean, it it's, was proven last year um, in a pretty tough conference, but when your most notable incoming player, God love him, is Dax McCarthy, I think there's a little bit of an issue with the keeping up with the Joneses. Um, there really wasn't a lot of um, a, a lot of turnover. Um, mainly just some options declined, a couple people free agents, but nothing too too crazy. The um, the big transfers were Barco, um, and then of course Miles Robinson as well. Um. Yeah, I, a couple players went back um, to their original clubs um, on loan, but I just, there hasn't been enough movement for me to look at it and be like, wow, this team is really going to be on fire. Um, if they do make uh, the playoffs, they're making the playoffs in a very, very low seed. But um, in my opinion, I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. Dan, who you got falling out of the playoff spots? I have uh, Charlotte. They seem the easiest because uh, they fell out of the playoffs the quickest out of anybody. Um, literally the first team in the playoffs last year to lose. Um, Dean Smith has come in and kind of redone everything. Like, there's no Carol Swiderski. Um, Camille Josviak was gone. Josviak was a bust anyways, but, like, Swiderski was a legitimate player. Um, I'm very curious to see who they are bringing in um, because Enzo Capetti is a really good player. Um, but there's like nobody to give him service. Like they just ran three strikers out there, the four, three, three under Lothanzio. Um, and I think there's too many backline issues to have so many questions about, um, Charlotte. Um, I know this, this might be a weird shot to take, but I remember watching, I was watching and I've watched a lot of content from a lot of clubs this preseason and. Who's the new English? Who's the English guy that they signed? Sam's, uh, not Sam Sturridge. Who is, uh, no, it's not Sam Sturridge. Sam Sturridge is Nashville. I'm pulling it up really quick. Um, there was, uh, they signed a, a relatively well known English guy, um, to the roster last season. Ah, Westwood, Ashley Westwood. Um, and he's sitting there 
like this is their preseason meal. Like we're we're all like coming together, kind of a thing. And he's sitting there strumming a guitar, like the guy at your college quad that's out there uh, singing and trying to serenade people, and everyone's sitting there singing along to the songs. Like that that was their culture, their atmosphere, and like not that like oh, there's got to be some like macho edgy culture thing. It just seems so like goofy. I don't know. Um, and I, I just don't, I don't know what, what they're doing there. Um, Vargas, like Kerwin Vargas doesn't excite me necessarily. Uh, Scott Arfield does not excite me. Um, their backline, Melanda, uh, and Privet, um, are a question. Kalina at goalkeeper, a massive question. Um, their fullbacks, huge question marks there. Um, and this is a very wing heavy league. And if you don't have solid enough fullbacks to defend, you're going to get absolutely torched. And I, I, I just have a lot of concerns and questions about the way this is all going to work out for them. I don't feel good about it. Um, and so out of all the, you know, and even with how many teams in the East, even at the bottom, I thought got better to me, there just seems like a really one of a couple of really good options, uh, to drop out of the playoffs. And so for me, um, yeah, I gotta see. I, I gotta see uh, Charlotte out of the playoffs this year. I've got Nashville SC missing the playoffs. I, I know I just accidentally said it was Sam Sturridge who was on Charlotte and not on Nashville, Dan. But you know, I I I think he's fine. I don't think that he moves the needle significantly for them. I think their midfield is still really old. Um, you know, they lost Fafa Pico, they lost Dax McCarty. I don't know that those were two big losses, but the only real big additions they've added were Tyler Boyd, who I thought was decent at times, nothing to write home about when it came to the LA Galaxy. He was an improvement given the winger situation for the LA Galaxy. When you've got Jacob Schaffelberg, who I think is one of the best, if uh, not, is one of the best exciting young players out of the Eastern Conference, I don't know that that moves the needle. And they brought over Drew Yearwood from New York Red Bulls, who I think was misused a little bit in New York, who I think is a better fit tactically for Nashville. But just still fundamentally, like this roster is still the same. Everybody on the defense is running back. And there were some leaks in there towards the end of the season last year, not just Joe Willis or um, Walker Zimmerman being a lesser version of themselves or anything. And I just I worry that just like tactically, they're going to be so predictable of it's just going to be, you know, eight men behind the ball get the ball, pass it on, he moved on, and expect him to do something in space. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic for them. He's been an MVP candidate for them, but I don't know that that's sustainable, and I don't know that there's a clear second option you have or somebody else who's going to be doing something that's good. If uh, Messi has to be rotated out or something else is going on, I think Leon Campana can be him at times for them. I don't know that there's an obvious second option that isn't dependent on Hani Mukhtar doing something else. Because if Hani draws guys in the middle, that leaves space for a Schaffelberg or for a Lovitz overlapping or for a um, Sam Sturridge out wide as well. And so I just think this is the third straight year they're effectively running the exact same thing. I don't think anybody's going to surprise them. Uh, Gary Smith is a good coach in MLS. He's done a good job for Nashville as an expansion team. He did a good job winning an MLS Cup for the Colorado Rapids, but four years is a long time to be at the same club and have effectively the same roster and the same game plan. And I think in that regard, they have remained stagnant where everybody else has gotten better. And so I think they'll miss the playoffs. And if they don't, it's going to take another Herculean effort from Hani Mukhtar. There's a lot of MLS teams that are one hamstring injury for the wrong player away from being utter crap. And I think Nashville is in that group. With that, let us move on to the 
Western Conference. Uh, we've got West teams that we that made the playoffs last year that we think will miss the playoffs. Um, Rachel, continue the RSL bashing that this episode has had. Yeah, um, again, lots of outs here for, for RSL and not too many um, convincing ins for them. Um, like, their, their in list is really, 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 really tiny, and a lot of it is just home like young homegrown players, uh, super draft picks, and someone from the Charleston Battery. Um, shout out to the USL Championship, y'all. Um, go Riverhounds. But leaving the team, of course, was uh, Demir Krylak. That was the big, um, that was the big kind of departure there, just because everybody knows who Krylak is and how long he's been with um, Real Salt Lake and whatnot. He's uh, on his way to I think Vancouver, um, Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, Danny Moose. Muzovsky, I think is how you say his last name, um, is, is joining the Seattle Sounders. Um, he's a young forward, um, hopefully going to help, especially when, um, a lot of players are gone for international duty. Um, yeah, just not a lot of ins, uh, more outs, um, not really finding those pieces to kind of correct those outs. Um, not really convinced by, by the roster. Um, I get it that there's not a lot of turnover from last year, but, Guys, I will never, I'm sorry, so sorry to Zach McMath, but I will never be um, fully believed with a team that has Zach McMath as their, I almost say quarterback, um, as their as their goalkeeper, um, kind of a quarterback in a way. Um, yeah, just not thrilled with, with any of the moves that Real, has, Real Salt Lake has had, and I hate to say that because they do have a Costa Rican on the roster. Um, shout out to Brian Oviedo. Mm. Dan, uh, give us your West team that you have missing in the playoffs. But first, since we've talked about it a little bit, Pablo Mastroeni, Gary Smith, Greg Vanny. I'll rank those in terms of who's on the hottest seat to start the year. Maybe Vanny. Um, the Pablo thing is interesting now that Jason Christ is there. I don't know what the heck Jason Christ's actual role is. Um, but it never made any sense. If you read like any of the interviews that they did with him, there's like no idea like what his actual role is. And he made some wild comments about a bunch of players going to Europe and none of the RSO Academy kids have gone directly to Europe at all. Um, so except for like maybe one. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what he, he, he made a bunch of weird comments. I'm still very confused about what's going on there. Um, I've heard from a few different sources that there's a bit of a, um, disagreement between Mascherini and ownership about how to use a certain moon child um, uh, in Diego Luna that caused a lot of problems last year. Um, I, 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 the, the Mascherini thing, like, I think he's second to me because I think um, the way that sh- that Charlotte has burned through, like if you're Zoran Cornetta, like the only way Dean Smith is getting fired is if you're gone too. Um, and so like the, the way that they've burned through coaches and, had kind of some disastrous ways. I think Dean Smith is probably last on that list because I don't think Storon's going to be quick to pull the trigger um, in this situation because I think if he is, I think then Tepper's going to come in and axe him. But all Tepper does is fire coaches anyway, so who knows. Um, so I, 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 to me, I, I still think Vanny's on truly the hottest seat. But if either of those three were gone within the first 10 games um, for a various reason, none of it would surprise me in any way, shape, or form. But on to my team that I think is missing the playoffs. Uh, I think it's going to be St. Louis. I, I, I think that the regression is coming. 
Um, Joao Klaus is a nice player. They did not add any designated players in any way, shape, or form. Um, they went and added Chris Dur- overpaid for Chris Durkin to come into the midfield. Um, a, 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 a Blom Durkin midfield still doesn't excite me very much. Um, they invested in some uh, foreign uh, fullbacks because their fullbacks were awful and got burnt in the playoffs repeatedly, 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 repeatedly. Um, playoffs, end of the season. Um, if you could figure out a way to burn, to, to get past those fullbacks, uh, and turn them over when they were, um, kind of higher up the field, uh, it was bad. So they tried to upgrade there. I just don't know. I mean, you've got the, looking at it, you know, Aziel Jackson's a very good player. I don't think Sam O'Denneran is going to be able to match his goal scoring output. Um, he's a big physical beast that has a fair amount of technical ability and can finish when he gets in open spaces, but I don't think he can cr- really create anything um, uh, off himself. That's Joao Klaus's job. I just think that this team overperformed so much last season, um, and when they got found out, it got really bad. And I, I don't think there's enough depth with this team. They survived. They had a lot of injury luck, in my opinion, um, uh, not just for them, but for some of the teams around them as well. So um, that, that led to them leading first. So for me, St. Louis... Um, the regression comes and they're going to be on the Austin like outside looking in. Like they, like I, I say that as in like the way Austin was one of the best teams in the West in like 2022, 2023, fall back to the bottom. That's the regression I'm talking about. Dan, I've got the San Jose Earthquakes missing the playoffs. I'd love to know your thoughts on this if you strongly disagree. Cade Cowell, I think, is it is a curious case of never achieved his potential with the San Jose Earthquakes. Had a lot of moments where he looked the part but then didn't have the finishing product. And then he shows up immediately at a big club, massive step up, and is absolutely cooking. Um, I liked Jonathan Mensa, and obviously he's left the club. I thought Jamiro um, Montero was good, not great in Midfield is a number 10 shuttling eight-ish and wasn't really um, enough there. I did like the pickup of Bruno Wilson. I do think this team will be better defensively. I kind of question the Norwegian striker that they brought in, and I just think there's a ceiling with what you have with Jeremy Abobasin. As much as there was fun talk in the first third of the season last year about Christian Espinosa being an all-star, potentially being in the MVP um race as well you know he's shown he hasn't put it together for a full 34 game season so I think his average is closer to what we knew him to prior to last year where he was such a good selection for MLS fantasy particularly in those first 10 13 games of the season for San Jose I'm not saying that like San Jose is terrible now and I don't think that they've had a terrible off season but I just think everybody else around them for the most part, has done something better. Dan will get to Sporting Kansas City in a bit, but I think absolutely just right now, default on paper, Seattle, LAFC, Houston, Vancouver are already better than them. Um, there's uh, Pitar Musa, I believe it is, came in for FC Dallas. I think they're certainly improved as well. Um, and as we've talked about, I think the LA Galaxy, to a lesser extent, Austin and definitely Colorado have certainly upgraded as well. We'll get to Portland Timbers in a little bit, but I just think, I think they had a little bit more of a stagnant or a quieter offseason, and the teams that are just above them, I think, made one or several massive moves or already had a better foundation than what San Jose did, and definitely, with the exception of really Minnesota, who have are just a absolute mess right now from a front office and a coaching acquisition standpoint, coaching stability standpoint, are a mess. They still have Emmanuel Reynoso, but all the other teams that missed the playoffs last year got way better, and San Jose just made the playoffs by one point. 
With that, let's move back to the East, and we're going to have some fun and talk about teams that were crap last season that we think are still going to be crap. Uh, Rachel, debate me on Inter-Miami. Fight me on Messi. No, they suck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to that's that's the hell I'm going to die on. If you're going to Saudi Arabia and you're going to get absolutely spanked, then sorry. Um, I am not convinced, despite how much money they're throwing at everybody that's pals with Messi under the sun, um, that they are going to be good this season. Um, sorry, hate to say it. Um, I don't even want to see it happen. Honestly, like I will be the MLS hipster and say I could care less if you know Messi or Miami make the playoffs. I know it would be um mucho dinero for um MLS and Inter Miami and all that craziness, but you know what? I just don't care. I mean, I love soccer. I love soccer for soccer. Um. I don't really love soccer for who's playing it. Um, except for like, you know, my beloved Pitt Panthers in the NWSL. Shout out to Amanda West, um, and Landy Mertz and now Houston Dash and um North Carolina Courage fan. Um but anyway, enter Miami. You go to Saudi Arabia, you get your butt handed to you, and yeah, I just don't think they're ready for the prime spotlight that is MLS Cup playoffs. That is my fighting words. Dan, who you got and why? Sorry, over here trying to find my unmute button. Uh, DC United. This team, um, their best offseason signing might have been Jared Stroud. That's bad. Like, this is a team that was already bad. And you lose Ruan, decent player. You lose Donovan Pines, who was one of your best center backs. You lose Chris Durkin, who's a salt, solid, above average midfielder. They lost 13 players off their roster. Their four key signings were a player that, um, I've never heard of before who was playing in, uh, in Finland, played for Finland, played in Finland, um, was a free agent out of contract. Um, a player that was already on the team on loan last year, uh, with a permanent signing is listed under their best signings along with Aaron Herrera and Jared Stroud. Um, to me, they're just not good. They're going to be bad again. Um, and, you know, maybe they'll find a way to just lump balls into Christian Benteke and hope he out jumps, um, you know, an MLS defender and like five of the 40 crosses they're going to lump into the box in the game. Um, very uh, Orlando Rain style, but, um, I just don't, not Orlando Rain, Seattle Rain style. Um, anyways, I, I, I don't see it at all, um, with this team. And I think they're just going to be bad. I would have a hard time disagreeing with you, Dan. Um, I'm going to go with Toronto FC. I really like John Herdman, but I just, I think that they haven't done enough this offseason. They brought in some homegrowns. I really like the draft pick out of Linscombe, the number one overall forward, who they brought in as well. But just this team is handicapped by the fact that they've got two very expensive, very non-productive Italian DP strikers who I'm not convinced want to be there, and I'm not convinced like each other, and I'm not convinced like John Herdman. I think Herdman can do a good job. I do think this is a long-term 
rebuild and or not a, a long-term rebuild, but this will be multiple years in order for them to get back to where they want to be and where they aspire to be at the top of the Eastern Conference, competing for trophies, de facto winning the Canadian championship every single year. But I just I think the the rebuild that they had going into the first year for Bob Bradley was just wrought with so many problems. And those two big DPs on really big wages are going to be really difficult to get productivity out of and they're going to be really really difficult for them to move off the books as well and so i'm not convinced the locker room culture is going to be better i'm convinced that john herdman can make it better in the long term but i think it's going to have to get worse before it does get better i don't think this team wins the wooden spoon to be fair but i do think this team will be very bad again with that we will move on back to the western conference where rachel just like with inter miami will now be fighting me on the la galaxy No, I will not. Um, just not convinced again by the galaxy. Um, I agree with Dan's statement that I think Greg Vanny is pretty much on the earliest of the early MLS hot seats. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's kind of crazy how the galaxy were like the epitome of, you know, MLS and, you know, trophies and titles and international competitions and whatnot. Um, and it has just gone crazy. Um, I, I really love Ricky Puig, though. Um, he's one of my favorite players to watch, but I just don't think it's quite enough. Again, another team with a Costa Rican that I'm giving the thumbs down to. Um, Gino Vivi um, is on the Galaxy. I don't know how much of a role he's going to have. It's a name that I really hadn't heard before um, logging on today. Um, but I don't know. I just... I love Jonathan Bond, love Puig, um, but I just don't really think that the gears are turning right now for the Galaxy and the West. The West is such a really, really hard conference. So, like, you pretty much have to be, like, on from the gate um, if you even have a chance of surviving. So, yeah, I don't know if the Galaxy are going to be able to do it this year. Um, and also shout out to Jalen Neal, a young player that I've always really liked. Um, I, I don't remember which camp. It was probably, like, a January camp. But I always liked him ever since watching him um, play, you know, one of those MLS-only quote-unquote camps. Um, would love to see him, you know, e- either with the Galaxy or somewhere else, um, do really well and, and get maybe some more looks with the national team. Dan, who's the most dysfunctional MLS club this offseason? It is absolutely Minnesota United. Holy cow. Do we realize that this team fired their only head coach that they've ever had, ever. Fired! With two games left, and they had a shot at the playoffs still. They still could have made the playoffs. They fired their head coach. They go on this like long-term search to find a sporting director. They fire him in November. And he says, guys, I can't make it until April. They finally come back and say, no, you're not doing this. They don't even hire a new head coach. They had an interim that was planning to do the whole thing in like three weeks before the season started and the preseason started. He says, sight guys, I ain't doing this. Good luck. And leaves. That's how dysfunctional everything has been for them. Um, they have not really, like, they, they lose Makai Diabasi, who uh, was um, a, a, probably the, the best player on their back line. Um, they did lose Brent Coleman as well. 
Um, not that great of a player, but a long-time Minnesota veteran all the way through even the NASL years. Um, Mender Garcia, a designated player striker, gone out the window, probably because Timu Puki, they're going to just cycle through. They'll have a, Timu Puki will not be on this team next year. Here's my hot take. Timu Puki will not be on this team by next year, and they'll have a new DP striker already coming because that's all they do. Um, it's just cycle through strikers. Um, and then like Victor Erickson is a decent center back, but like, again, this is what happens is you have the, like they're getting absolutely torched in preseason, by the way. If you haven't seen any of their score lines, they are getting torched by every team they play. They have the center back on here who's okay at best. Um, this Victor Erickson guy, like I, I think big physical guy, cool. Um, Big physical slow guys don't work in MLS all the time because this is a pace-centered league. You've got to be able to defend the counter. Very transitional. The game in America is very transitional. NWSL, MLS, it's our basketball heritage, our basketball influence on the game. This game moves quickly. It doesn't move very slowly um, and methodically like it does in Italy or um, in Spain. It's a highly transitional game. Um, so players like that don't quite work. and so. Like a lone um, player, also from Perediano. Like I just don't look at. I, I look at this team. I look at who they've got, and they're banking on Emmanuel Reynoso being good and there all year. Um, good luck with that. Um, and they're banking on Bongi Hilongwane um, replicating his success. Robin Lott is an injury risk. Timu Puki is a decent striker, but he didn't finish enough of his chances down the stretch and was a liability. And- didn't do much for them going forward. Um, the midfield is a massive mess. The back line, a mess. Dane St. Clair, an average MLS goalkeeper um, right now. High ceiling, but average at best um, at the moment. I just don't see anything good going on with this Minnesota team on the field and off the field. And it just has absolute dumpster fire train wreck written all over it. Another team that I think is skating or is skating on thin ice or maybe sprinting on thin grass, thin turf here, Dan, if I'm uh, mixing up my metaphors here, would be the Portland Timbers. Uh, I do not rate Philip Neville as a human being or as a head coach for that matter. Um, they did jettison part of the, you know, the the old guard in the offseason. Sebastian Blanco not retained. Yimi Chara, the lesser of the Chara brothers, of the Chara brothers out. And then uh, Jaroslav Niaskoda as well, who had a pretty good, his conversion rate when he got a shot on goal, turning into a goal was good, but just wasn't a viable striker as well. They brought in Maxime Crepeau, who listeners will remember from you know, being a part of that LAFC team that's won a supporter shield that made it to back-to-back MLS Cups. However, if you look at the underlying goalkeeper numbers, he was slightly above average in the regular season, but then was really good in the playoffs. And he was able to get away with that because he had a much better team in front of him in LAFC over the last two years than the current state of the Portland Timbers. I do really like the pickup of Kamal Miller. I think that'll help stabilize a lot of the things that are going on defensively. But Kamal Miller is no longer a spring chicken. And then you combine that with um, with Diego Chara as well in the midfield next to a now healthy Eric Williamson. And it's just the you've got three key players that are slightly on the older age who've had some injury history as well to where if one or multiple of them goes down, I don't have a lot of confidence in this team defensively. Kamal Miller, center back, Maxine Cropot, 
goalkeeper, both of those new, and then Diego Chara, who's been there for 30 years with the Portland Timbers at this point. And then Evander, who was up and down. There's been rumors about uh, clubs coming in to try and buy him. He certainly, if somebody were to come in in the summer and offer the Portland Timbers, cannot turn down money for a player, it is Evander. And then if Evander goes, if Evander leaves, I don't know where this team is offensively. I don't know what they do offensively. They do have two open DP slots. You know, the transfer window is open for another couple of weeks in MLS standpoint. But are they going to be able to fill those two DP slots? They've been talking about a DP striker coming in. But in a lot of the markets where they'd be looking, those markets are closed. So I don't know how that works out. From a timing standpoint, they have not managed this offseason rebuild as well as they could have given the new head coaches coming in and I just I look at the Portland Timbers the same way that I have really for the last couple of years basically since Diego Valeri's exit of they've got some exciting albeit older attacking players but fundamentally this is an old international group that you know when it gets to a be a compressed schedule with Wednesday Saturday Wednesday Saturday getting into the early summer with the way this uh, MLS is now structured I see a lot of guys over the age of 30 who are going to have soft tissue and muscle issues that are going to plague them through the rest of their season. And I don't rate the head coach at all. And so I don't see how they move the needle. Um, I am making that I'm making this a conditional we'll miss the playoffs again because they could come out and Merritt Paulson could splash $10 million on two new DPs that could paper over these cracks. But this is a roster that has really been you know, deteriorating basically since they made MLS Cup and they made it off the backs of an already deteriorated roster. I feel like this is a team, Dan, like, you know, argue with me if you disagree. I feel like this is a team that like needed to completely hit the reset button and rebuild with a bunch of young players like two times ago when they won MLS Cup in Columbus as well. And I feel like that was like eight years ago. So I'm not sure what to make of the Portland Timbers, but Mary Paulson is the person that he is and the businessman that he is. And I can't control that. Let's move on back to the East, folks. We're going to talk about trophy contenders. Uh, Rachel, I I feel like the I feel like the East is pretty chalk. But Rachel, if if you had to pick a team that you think is going to win any trophy this year, who you got? Well, it goes against everything I believe in to actually think that Philadelphia could win something. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Union. Look good, play good, feel good. Um, again, just oh, I love that kit. Um, yeah, I think that. I think that for Philadelphia, there wasn't really a lot of roster turnover this offseason. Um, obviously, there was a lot of conversation around um, Kai Wagner, and him coming back is obviously a, a big deal for the Philadelphia Union. Um, I, I think their DPs are still firing on all cylinders. Um, I, I like their, what is it, their Danish DP? Um, he's a striker for them, Mikhail Erling. Mikael Ure. Ure, okay. I wasn't that far off. Um, I've always thought he's been, again, one of those like under the radar players, and I think uh, this might be his year, have a big breakout year um, in MLS and, and help Philadelphia go for, you know, whether it be either Supporter Shield or the or the big money, big trophy. Um, I, I think Andre Blake is still one of the top, if not the top, goalkeeper in Major League Soccer. Um, Definitely top five, um, in my opinion. I just think that Philadelphia has an all-around really good roster. I've always been a big fan um, of Jim Curtin. Um, I just don't see much going wrong with this team. Um, uh, they've, they've been there. They've done it. And, you know, I, I know that Alejandro Bedoya isn't the Alejandro Bedoya that was on the national team and all that stuff. But 
Um, there's just something about leadership in a locker room that goes such a long way. And he's like the eternal good guy um, of Major League Soccer. Whether you are, you know, a, a rival of Philadelphia or, you know, a, a team that just doesn't care about Philadelphia, everybody everybody respects um, Alejandro Bedoya. And I think that goes a long way um, in your locker room and them bringing him back just for, you know, that reason alone is going to pay off so many dividends. So I'm excited to see um, what my fellow Pennsylvania team does uh, this MLS season. Dan, you've picked a team that is honestly my dark horse and might be my favorite for the Supporter Shield. They're one of mine as well. Um, Orlando City um, lost three. I mean, I'm sure this is on MLS's um, season preview thing, but like this is reality. They lost three key players up their spine. Antonio Carlos, tech captain, center back, very good defender. Went and replaced him with uh, David Bracallo, who was one of the um, actually like very much wanted player in Europe outside of this. So he comes to comes to Orlando. Um, then uh, they lose Mauricio Perea, very good Uruguayan guy. Um, who goes back to his home club of Nacional, adds freaking Nico Ladero, um, saves Nico's knees on in removing him from turf. Um, although he has to play a bunch of turf teams in the East anyway, so not terribly safe, but at least, uh, removing 17 home games of life on turf. Um, and then Junior Urso, who was a good player, but, um, not, uh, by the end of his time there, he could no longer go 90 minutes. He was a, a, a box-to-box workhorse midfielder, never changed his game to kind of suit where his body was at. And so by the end, he was just kind of reduced to an off-the-bench type of player, um, but a good legend of the club. They lose him. Uh, they've got Martin Ojeda um, as well, who's a good player. They've got Facundo Torres as well, a nominal player. And they just added Luis Muriel from... Uh, Atlanta, who was one of the most prolific forwards um, overseas last year. What are, like whatever they're cooking over there? It, as much as the jerseys are bad, there's going to be some really good soccer played and some really bad jerseys. And for me, like this is one of the best teams in the East. Um, I, I you absolutely have to view Orlando as a top contender. Um, you know, there's obviously there's some of the legacy, current legacy places in the East um, that need attention. Ohio. Pennsylvania, uh, maybe even the shout for the Revs. Um, who knows how big of an impact Emil Forsberg's going to have with the New York Red Bulls. Um, but this Orlando team was already really good, and I think they got like two steps better. And to me, that should scream, "Watch out!" Because I think they're, I think they're going to come for it this year. I'm going to cheat here and pick both of the Ohio teams, uh, similar to saying that Inter-Miami will be the Eastern Conference team that missed the playoffs last year to make the playoffs this year. I think it's fairly chalky to talk about both of the Ohio teams. Uh, Columbus, the only MLS team that is returning all 11 of their starters. Ucho Hernandez is absolutely fantastic. Wilfred Nancy is one of the best coaches in Major League Soccer. And FC Cincinnati for you know some of their faults and some of the turnover that they have. TBD on whether or not Barrio will be with the club through the end of the season. But Lucho Acosta is bought in. And the one maybe concern that you had at the center back position, oh, you brought in Miles Robinson, probably the best free agent acquisition of this offseason. This team is absolutely stacked. They won the Supporter Shield last year. They should compete for trophies. And obviously, they'll be gunning for avenging 
the Eastern Conference final loss to Columbus in the Hell's Real and trying to win MLS Cup. So give me both of the Ohio teams. With that, Rachel, uh, now it is time for your, uh, you'd be a Sounders home or at least measured takes on their turnover given no Nico Lodero. I really tried to avoid being a Sounders homer. Um, not going to lie. I was like trying to make every argument for maybe like St. Louis or, you know, um, I, I, I can't, I can't pick LAFC guys. I just can't do it. Although I do love my boy, um, Hugo Lloris. I'm really excited to see him play in all places of MLS. Um, who needs Messi when you have a French, uh, world cup winner, right? Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Seattle, they've had some really, really good acquisitions this offseason. Um, nothing super flashy. I mean, Pedro de la Vega was obviously, um, one of the bigger signings. He's a young designated player for your contract. Um, but like Jonathan Bell, okay, comes from St. Louis. Um, Nathan Brazilian comes from San Jose Earthquakes. And then, um, Masovsky came from, um, Real Salt Lake. Awesome. Like internal transfers. Um, from around the league. That's awesome. That's great to see. There wasn't too many, um, too many players on the way out. Obviously, I think Nico Lodero was obviously the big one. Um, Ebert, his option was declined, which I'm not upset about at all. He was kind of meh in his time in MLS. Um, Freddie Montero's out of contract right now. I don't think that he is resigning. I could be wrong about that. Um, Kellen Rose retired. The biggest, um, out for me that I saw that didn't really make any sense, um, was backup goalkeeper Stefan Cleveland decided he wanted to get some playing time, um, elsewhere and he went to Austin FC. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe him and Brad Stuber are going to be it out. Um, but I don't, I don't see him. I, Cleveland's a great goal, goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't see him outlasting Stuber. Um, at least right now. Um, I think it's something that they, that the Sounders in, in the distant future can revisit when maybe, um, the, the time comes where Seattle does have to say goodbye to Stephen Fry one day. Um, but I, obviously they'll cross that bridge when they get there. Um, but not too many crazy goodbyes. Um, a couple young players went to, uh, one went to the USL championship, um, and then another player went to, DC United. So um, I don't think there's too much that um, Seattle waved goodbye to. I think it was time for Lodero to go um, touch some grass somewhere else. Um, I, I think he did everything that you know he, he possibly could accomplish in Seattle. The people loved him. It's not like he left on any bad terms or anything like that. Um, it was just his time to go. Um, I'm excited to see what Seattle does this year. Um, I still think Stefan Fry, again, one of the top three goalkeepers in the league. Um, I, I think that Seattle really needs a, a, I think they had a consistent second half of the season from Albert Rusnak, but I would like to see a full consistent season from Albert Rusnak. Um, would like to see, you know, Christian Roldan come back fully healthy. Um, big years for Dal Paulo and, um, Jordan Morris as well, because last year Jordan Morris started out so hot. Um, and then just kind of fizzled out in the middle of the season. So looking forward to seeing what they do. Not a lot of outs um, and a lot of really good ends for the Seattle Sounders. Dan, we talked about the uncertainty and the ways and the gap between Sporting Kansas City and the and how high their ceiling is, how low their floor is. Talk about the potential of this club if everything goes right. 
Yeah, um, I think Sporting potentially are one of the best teams in the West. Um, their 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 floor is the interesting part. I don't know quite yet what their floor is. Um, I don't even I don't think what we saw from them the first ten games that might be like the the bottom floor of the ocean. And we're talking about what's the floor of the house that they're living in and sea level because I don't know that they'll ever reach that depth of misery again. Remember, nobody ever has. Uh, that was one of the worst starts in MLS history. Um, and to replicate that with as good of a roster as we saw that they had, minor, there was only four teams in all of MLS that had a better record than Sporting did after the first 10 games of the season. Um, and they were all either Ohio teams or Orlando um, and I th- believe LAFC or somebody like that might have like snuck up, um, with a, with a good record on the other side of it. But, um, they were better than St. Louis over that stretch, better than Seattle, better than most of the other teams in the Western Conference. Um, there was only, I think there really, I mean, it was literally just Eastern Conference teams at that point that had better record than Sporting. Um, so this is a very good team. Um, when they are fully healthy, when you have Alan Polito, when you have Eric Tommy in there, um, when you have Daniel Shallowy and Johnny Russell on the field, you have their back line. Like they, there's so many things missing, so many players in and out. Nemanja Rodoya wasn't even established um, into the midfield yet. The concern, I think, is that they are a little less top heavy on the roster. They're missing. There's no Gadi Kenda. He's gone. Um, they're missing a designated player at this point. And I think, um, you know, the, they were really in on Kellen Acosta. Um, and it did not come to fruition. And it seems like, um, they may sign uh, someone to the DP slot by the end of this window. But, um, honestly, at this point, um, you might as well wait to the summer, um, unless you have, uh, you know, within, by the time the window closes, you have a really emergent need open up. Then, um, I think it would make sense to go and pull a trigger, uh, somewhere. But I, I just don't. You wait until the summer. You're going to have all the expiring European contracts available to you. Um, there's a lot more, you know, players that are willing to move once this, the summer is off. Uh, you can work out more transfer deals now, trying to pull a player away from Europe that, um, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Um, so I still think, remind, you know, I, I keep saying reminder. Gotti Kinda, um, really good player, uh, played less than a thousand minutes last year. Um, Eric Tommy played 2,400 minutes, had five goals, 11 assists, and that's with not doing anything in the first 10 games. That's a really good player at a number 10. Um, and I think there's more coming from him. I think, um, you know, the way that they played towards the end of the year, we're rolling out a double pivot there for a little bit. And it allows a player like Tommy, who's a little bit more attack minded, little, much less defense minded to play a little bit higher up underneath the striker. Um, and you can kind of see him and Alan Polito maybe playing a little bit closer together there. And I think there's some different looks and some good things that can come from it. Sporting has to stay healthy for all that to happen, though. And so that's why I think they're a contender pending the DP because I just don't know that the top heavy depth is there for them to handle the entire season because they're a little bit older, a little bit long in the tooth. And I think that at some point those injuries will come. But at a basis, this is a really freaking good team. Um, that should do well in the West this year. The Vancouver Whitecaps has really gone from strength to strength over the course of the last two to three years. I really rate what Fanny Sartini has grown into as a head coach. I think Ryan Gauld should be a top five contender for MLS MVP this season. And while they didn't have a super busy offseason in terms of number of moves, I still think this is one of the 
better rosters that you have in the Western Conference. And if they're focused on league play, if they're focused in terms of which competitions that they're prioritizing, you know, they gave Tigres a really good run for their money. And if they weren't playing one of the Gigantes in the opening round of Champions League, we'd probably still be talking about them being in Champions League. So I think it's Vancouver in there. None of the three of us picked LAFC, so I just want to briefly touch on them. There's still some uncertainty out there in terms of what's going on with Carlos Vela, and I think that they could be moving on from him, given that he's deteriorated as a player. They still have Dennis Buonga, but I do think it's a valid concern given the amount of turnover that LAFC has had. Um, They're one of the lowest teams in MLS with slightly under 50% of their playing minutes or starting minutes. I can't remember the stat exactly. Returning to uh returning to the club as well and so i think with that turnover there's going to be change and there's going to be new faces getting familiar with each other i do like the upgrade of bringing at to back even with the loss of kellen acosta but you know i'm curious to see what this attack looks like if something happens to dennis Buanca. with that uh that'll do it for the main part of our preview of this mls season so we're going to do some rapid fire stuff in the round table um, so MLS is chaos. So the first thing that I'm going to ask is for everybody to give a chaos prediction it can be anything in the format in MLS. I will go first and I will say after the after every single MLS team has played three league games this year, we will have no undefeated teams in the season. It will be carnage and cannibalism to start the year in terms of losses. Dan, what you got and why is it Q getting a soccer ball kicked at him by Lionel Messi or David Beckham? Uh, no, I just think, I think my mass chaos is going to be, um, I, I think I, I would not be surprised if, uh, Messi leaves a few, uh, high dollar and high, uh, attendance crowds, um, disappointed in terms of appearances. Um, you know, they, they've got a, very heavy travel schedule um, at the beginning. Um, the Miami team already seems like run down with the media circus that is covering around them. And I think the frenzy around the league is going to be really, really interesting to watch. So I think that that's going to be the chaos is that the Miami thing is going to leave people frustrated um, with how it's carried out. Rachel. Guys, I don't know if this has ever been before I would need to like really go back and like actually fact check. Um, I love my defenders. I'm gonna say a defender wins the MVP award. Who is it? Put a name on it, Rachel. Do I have to? Um, yes. <laughs> for the chaos. Um, yes. Um, Why will Nuhu Tolo win MLS MVP? <laughs> I was literally just about to say that. Um, no, Javier Arriaga. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not that chaotic. Um, just because I can't think of anybody else, I'm going to go Kai Wagner. Okay. I could. That's that's a good shout if you're picking a defender who's going to win MLS Cup. So, uh, He's going to have quick... like 25 assists. <laughs> 25 <laughs> assists and if he. Yeah, if he, somehow, if he somehow gets on penalties, I could see that influencing as well. But. We'll do some rapid fire. So the order in this will be going will be Rachel, Dan, and myself. Um, Champions League, MLS team wins or no? No. 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 Uh, who wins Op- Who wins MLS Cup? Ooh. Seattle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Orlando. I'll take Cincinnati. <laughs> San Jose Earthquakes. <laughs> Leaks Cup. Not. Leaks Cup, Rachel. Sorry, Matt. I totally mysteries, by the way. When I was making a joke. No, I said FC Cincinnati for MLS Cup. Rachel, oh, Leaks okay. Cup. Uh, oh, God. I don't even remember who's in Leaks Cup. I'm Everyone's say, in Leaks oh, Cup. I'll say, I'll say Orlando for this one. Miami. Ooh, Miami repeat. I'll I'll stick in Florida. I'll say Orlando. Uh, open Cup. Let's do winner if MLS teams are in it. And then what is the league of the team that wins it if MLS is not in it? So basically you're picking between next pro championship or do you pick a league one team to be peak chaos? Rachel. Oh, I want to say no Riverhounds, but everybody left and made lateral moves. Um, If. Uh, if MLS is in it, uh, I'm just going to do a Team Chaos pick here and say, like, um, Philadelphia. Um, if not, I'm going to say USL Championship, Charleston Battery. Okay, I'm going to go with, um, if, even if there's only eight MLS teams in it, Sporting KC is the one who gives the crap gives the most crap about it, um, or gives the most you know what's about it. Um, so I'll say Sporting uh, wins it, and then if not, I'll go USL Championship with either Phoenix or Sacramento. Mm. Uh, if MLS teams are in it, I'm in a similar mind to you, Dan. I'm going to say FC Dallas wins Open Cup, and then if mm-hmm. MLS teams are not in it, give me the championship. And I was going to say Phoenix or Louisville. So any one of our championship teams seems like a good shout there. Um, I kind of already gave it away. I've got Orlando winning the shield. Rachel, Dan, thoughts? Nope. I, I 100% am with you on that. They're my shield favorite. Makes me almost sad I don't live in Florida anymore. Um, Orlando, shield favorite, yeah. Okay, and then the last trophy that we will do, Wooden Spoon. Returns to the great white north of Minnesota. Sorry, I jumped the gun, but. I, I've been loading on that one, so. Yeah, Dan, ha- well, haven't you heard of ladies first? Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the galaxy. <laughs> sorry, I'm, Matt. I'm, I'm, I'm swiping words there, Rachel. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, I'll go with DC United on one condition, and that is that Renoso stays for the whole season. If Renoso does not end the summer transfer window still on Minnesota United, Dan, we're in agreement. Minnesota United, dumpster fire, death loons, death to the death loons. Uh, that'll do it for us, folks. So let's go on to last words. I don't have anything. Uh, Rachel or Dan, any last words, or shall we get out of here? I've got none. Um, I just want to say quickly, the women have a gold cup, but the location suck. I promise you can play somewhere that is not California. Um, I would have loved to have seen more space out venues. Um, I get it that the, the tournament is not the same as like the summer gold cup for the men. This is kind of like the, it's the first year. It's like a trial. Um, they even have, um, South American teams in it, um, as well. Um, even though I don't love the locations, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be supporting. Um, of course I'm going to be supporting my Tikas. I'm so glad you guys asked. <laughs> um, and of course the, uh, Mexican women's national team, as you guys know, I'm a huge, um, fan and, you know, just proponent of Liga and Mekis Femenil. So if, um, I think 
so the preliminaries are done. So I want to say Women's Gold Cup starts tomorrow. No, it starts on Tuesday. Starts on Tuesday with um Mexico and Argentina playing. Um, and then in the late cap for us East Coasters is USA versus uh, Republica Dominicana. Um, so it should be a good tournament. I'm excited. The first ever Women's Gold Cup. Um, but that's pretty much all for me. Listeners, you can follow us on all the social media platforms at Last Word SC. Check out all of our written and auditory content at lastwordonsports.com. Uh, rate, review, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Just search LWS Radio or Last Word on Sports. You'll find us and a bunch of other great content. We will see you sooner rather than later, given how we've been over the course of the last couple months, but certainly excited to be getting into rhythm as MLS comes back and as we cover MLS. We'll see you next time.